This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. Good evening, intrepid listeners. Tonight finds yours truly in a considerably better mood than when you last heard me. I am back on the road once more, and am currently enjoying a delicious spot of tea with an obscure relative of mine. So obscure, in fact, that I am only just meeting her tonight. Thank you very much, Auntie. You're welcome, dear, and hello to your sweet listeners. Now, I am not sure exactly how we're related, other than that she's a shade like myself, but she sent me a letter a long time ago offering me tea and a story if I was ever in her area. And she insists I call her auntie. Why are you still talking to your listeners like I'm not here, dearie? I am simply catching them up. I wasn't sure how to introduce you properly. Well, you can call me Auntie Pasta. I see. And what is your sphere, if I might ask? Of course you can ask, dear. I'm just a sweet old lady who likes to share stories from the newfangled internet with young and old. I like to make sure they are told exactly as they were meant to be told. That doesn't really answer my question, but uh, all right. In that case, how about the story for Midnight Marinera? I would be delighted. What kind of story are you looking for, dearie? Oh, something scary, frightening, haunting. Oh, uh, uh, are you sure, dear? I, I do have some very scary stories. Absolutely. Well, all right. I'm going to use my best judgment here. Let's see. You keep your internet stories in a book? It's for dramatic effect, dear. Hmm. During the summer of 2003, events in the northeastern United States involved a strange human-like... Um, never mind. I think this might be a little too scary for your listeners. What? Well, I, I don't want to ever frighten anyone too badly. Hmm. Let's try this one. In my old age, I've seen a lot of things. Some things I'm a little more proud of than others. As a boy, there wasn't a... Oh, dear. There's an awful lot of swearing in this one. I I think it might be a little too intense for your listeners. You've got to be kidding me. I don't want to give anyone a bad first impression of Auntie. What would the parents say if they knew their children were repeating such filthy language from me? My intrepid listeners dug their graves in that regard a long time ago. They know what to expect. Even so, dear, I think that one is a little too frightening as well. Hmm, then perhaps this is not going to be a good fit. Now, just a minute. I have a story I think will be just the right amount of haunting for your taste. And it is a true story. A true story? All right, I'm interested, but it better be eerie, or at the very least a little macabre. Here for yourself, dear. It is a very sad story in its own way. March 9th, 1923. Dear Joseph... I'm writing to let you know that I still love you, despite how you have hurt me. You broke my heart and tore it to pieces, leaving me practically a corpse. For this, I'm not sure that I can ever fully forgive you. However, 
I still think we can make things work. I believe you still love me, too. You would not have proposed to me if you truly did not love me. I mean, what is not to love? Being called beautiful is no longer a compliment to me, but a fact. I know it to be true, just as well as you do. I was approached by Mr. Herzog when I was a young lady because he saw it. My body has been memorialized into multiple art pieces throughout New York. They still call me Miss Manhattan. What I don't understand is how you could choose another woman over me. I am more beautiful than any tramp that falls into your bed and you know it. What can I do to prove that we belong together? Please write back as soon as possible. Yours, Audrey. March 10th, 1923. Dear Joseph, I realize this letter comes right on the heels of my last one, but a thought occurred to me. Maybe your choice to jilt me was so because of my own choice to move to Los Angeles, leaving you alone in New York. Darling, you should know that as my career grew bigger, New York could no longer contain me. I've already left my likeness everywhere in that city. Immortalized in stone and bronze, lounging in parks, or peering down from rooftops. This was different, Joseph. I needed to be in the pictures. My body is so beautiful. I was allowed to be nude in my first film. I had potential to become a great film star. Maybe another reason you did stray was because my star sank. I assure you this was not my fault. It's difficult to fully explain, but you have to believe me. Please let me know why, so we can work past this together. Yours, Audrey. March 13th, 1923. Dear Joseph, I should have already been openly honest with you. Maybe you already knew this, that I myself was not 100% faithful, and why you chose not to be faithful yourself. Men fawned over me, including millionaire Herman Ulrichs Jr. himself. I assure you, Joseph, I never loved him. I never loved any of the men I was with. I promise it was all business. All of these men came from wealth and were willing to help me in my career. They would not leave me alone. How could I not give in to what they want? I wish I was a stronger person. Herman was the one who ruined my film career. He belongs to a pro-German cabal, and he drove me out. I wrote the U.S. State Department about this, but they never got back to me. If it weren't for Mother standing by my side, I don't know how I would have gone on. Please forgive me for what I have done, and I promise I will forgive you too. Always yours, Audrey. March 21st, 1923. Dear Joseph, it has been days and I have yet to receive one letter. Why won't you respond? Can you not understand the stress I was put under? I was the model every artist wanted to work with. Most of them wanted me to pose nude because I have a body of a goddess. Do you know how much pressure that puts on me? Men would keep accosting me in my dressing room. Reporters would hound me. And for what? To be cast aside, to be pushed out by filmmakers? especially the Jews. I have already petitioned the House of Representatives to protect me from being persecuted by them. No notice yet. It saddens me that people will now look at my body cased in either stone or paint and no longer remember my name. Hollywood was my chance for the public to see the flesh and blood woman behind their idol, to see her move and breathe and feel, see her smile and weep as if she were really there before them. That chance had been taken from me, Joseph. What becomes of the artist's models? 
I am wondering if many have not stood before a masterpiece of lovely sculpture or a remarkable painting of a young girl, her very abandonment of draperies accentuating rather than diminishing her modesty and purity, and asked themselves the question, where is she now? This model who was so beautiful, what has been her reward? Is she happy and prosperous, or is she sad and forlorn, her beauty gone, leaving only memories in the wake? Joseph, you are my only possibility for a brighter future, now that all have turned against me. Please write me back. Forever yours, Audrey. March 21st, 1923. Dear Joseph, can nothing move you to write even a simple reply? Do my offers of forgiveness and pleas for reconciliation truly not sway you? Maybe it's the other rumors that have reached you before my letters. You of all people should know that Mrs. Wilkins' murder was not my fault. My mother and I were merely tenants, living in Dr. Walter Wilkins' boarding home. He and his wife, Julia, were both so nice, even after we moved out. How was I supposed to know he would fall in love with me? It does not surprise me, but I assure you I had no prior knowledge. You may have thought it odd that my mother and I ran to Toronto as soon as we heard that Walter bludgeoned his wife with a lead pipe. I assure you, it was only to avoid the presses... I already had struggled with so much at that time. I could not bear to deal with any more bad news. It's truly a tragedy, but this may have hurt me more than it hurt them. This scandal ruined my career. The final push after Kaiser Wilhelm sabotaged it, too. Your affairs were destroyed whatever good I felt. If I no longer had you, what was the point of going on? It is a miracle that I did not die from the mercury. I want to believe it is a sign that you and I should be together. We can make each other happy again. I believe I can find joy in my life if you are in it. Please, just give me any sort of sign. I long to see you again. Audrey. Audrey? Audrey? Baroness Audrey Mary Munson Monson, if you please. Uh, my apologies. It's time to take your medicine, Baroness. Thank you. Would you please drop this letter off in the mail for me? Of course, Baroness. Much obliged. (laughs) St. Lawrence Psychiatric Center, please hold. Who's the mail for? Eh, don't worry about it. Just another letter from Miss Munson to her fiancé. Another one? I feel like she's always writing them when I see her. Old lady's nuttier than a fruitcake. Look, she's even still backdating them 30 years. No point in sending them if they'll never reach their destination. Shouldn't you at least try to humor her? He may be still out there. Her fiancé? Don't you know? They tried looking him up. Joseph Stevenson. Right before she was committed. Turned up nothing. No record of him's ever been found. He doesn't exist. Dearie, what did you think of the story? Very melancholy, and just a touch eerie. Mm, it should work. That's good. It is a real pity what became poor Audrey. Unchecked pain can lead to such ruin, and pride cometh before the fall. Always be careful, my dears. A cautionary tale indeed. Truth can be stranger than fiction, so they say. Oh, thank you, Auntie. How the zeitgeist spawned you I may not understand, but I uh, respect that you choose your stories uh, carefully. 
You're very welcome. And you're also welcome, listeners. You should be very careful what scary things you let into your head. They might try to escape on you again later. I think that would conclude tonight's proceedings, intrepid listeners. I shall return to my travels. And until next we convene. Pleasant dreams, dearies. <laughs> Oh, just a moment. I'll get that for you. Midnight Marinera is written, produced, directed, and mixed by David King. This episode features the voice of Diana Conley as Miss Manhattan, with additional voices by David King and Kayla Berry. Miss Manhattan was written by Kayla Berry and David King. Music by Kevin McLeod, with excerpts from Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin. The ending music is by John King. Is the price of sanity too high for immortality? Feel free to let us know by subscribing to this podcast and leaving us some feedback with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also email us at midnightmarinera at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Tumblr. And hey, if you'd like to give a little extra to the show and watch the stars wink out one by one until all that remains is the inky void of your own thoughts, consider becoming a patron and supporting our Patreon with a small monthly donation. This month's epitaph. Austin Clothier departed this life by the hand of an assassin. Only vengeance will put his soul to rest. Interested parties inquire within. Rest in peace. I'm Andrew. Made a deal. I would do a minute podcast on a movie. What movie would you do it on? What if we count to three and at three we both say the name of the movie and if it is somehow the same movie? (laughs) Three, two, one. Super Mario Brothers! (laughs) The Super Mario Brothers Minute. Two episodes a week. Benview Network.